Oh. Okay. Oh. Uh, let's never say we ever went there and never go there again. Um, hello, everybody. Um, Hi. I may or may not edit the proceeding out with Camtasia. Uh, it's Matt and Dan, uh, Matt from the Matt and Dan Show. And uh, we have a special somewhat uh, holiday-ish uh, end of year kind of theme. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, just in case anybody's wondering, um, I, t- I the unclever um, AI backgrounds. So in mm-hmm. this case, I thought World War One, Christmas in the trenches is the second thing I thought of, um, and that's the one that uh, it gave me the best results with. And okay. also, also, I have a, we have a guest on the show. We don't normally have guests on the show, but this is a fan. And you know why there's ah. a fan in the background? You know why there's a fan in the background, Dan? Why is there a fan in the background? Because this is our single fan. We have at least one fan. We do have uh, one fan. Podcast. So I would just like to say thank you, fan, in World War One era before you were properly invented. Um, thank you very much for, for listening and uh, thinking positively uh, or not about uh, – you know, the 16 or 15 episodes that we've got up till now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and friggin' peace in the Middle East. So um, why don't you tell us about the topic today, Dan? Well, um, I was thinking since it's getting around the end of the year and um, I hate to say we're at that age where a lot of our sort of cultural icons are kind of starting to pass away, but um, it's getting towards the end of the year. I feel like this, you know, and I was thinking it might be nice to do like an in memoriam episode for some big artists that have passed away uh, during the year 2023. Um, there's a couple that have sort of happened as we ended up just sort of as we ended up talking about them on the show, um, like Dave Jolicoeur from De La Soul and Sinead O'Connor, and also um, I guess Sakavi from uh, the Japanese band Gizem, uh, the who we refer to as the Japanese Gigi Allen at the time. Um, but yeah who all passed away, all happened to pass away this year. And just, you know, when we were spitballing ideas for our next couple of shows, there was another big passing that happened to happen around that time. Uh, I figured to talk about it a little bit later. So I figured we might as well do an In Memoriam episode for some sort of big name folks that we lost in 2023. It's uh, well Which is a real world. old man kind of topic, but what are you going to do? Well, it's it's you know we're we're twelve we're we're twelve months into the year at this point, and the body count is uh, increasing. Mm. The annual body count, which, yeah. Uh, like it or not, we all uh, pay somewhat morbid pop culture attention to. So mm-hmm. um, I'm sure there's going to be uh, somewhat overlap on uh, what our you know uh, people are. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least in a couple of instances, I'm going to say. Um, but I guess I'll just uh, start out with uh, asking you, Dan, what's, who's, who's the first on your list? I'd, I'd like to know. Okay, first person I was going to mention on my list is somebody that passed away uh, back around the beginning of March of this year, and that is uh, Glenn Lockett, who you might know more better as Spot, who was the producer of a lot of the early SST record stuff. Bring um, it in. And, in uh, and he also had like a cool little like second act in punk rock kind of a little later on around the turn of the millennium that'll get into i guess in a minute but yeah uh glenn lockett he was in i didn't know until i started looking this up that he was the son of one of the tuskegee airmen 
like one of like the Black World War Two uh, pilots. Yes, um, that's yeah. right. I um, I not to not to barge in, um, but I'll just say that if anybody's really uh, interested in sort of because actually, okay, we're talking about overlap, and that I, I didn't have him in any you know specific order, but he's he's within my six people that I sort yeah. of had this. Um, okay, and if anybody's interested in like kind of. Tuskegee Airmen and some other aspects. Uh, it's pretty well uh, documented in uh, the awesome book by uh, Jim Ruland, uh, mm. the gentleman who wrote, uh, you know, he co-wrote uh, Keith Morris's autobiography. He co-wrote Bad Religion's autobiography and his book about um, the uh, SST. Corporate, corporate rock sucks. The rise yeah. and fall of SST records has a whole bunch of stuff about Spot because you can't tell the story of SST without telling the story of Spot, and you can't tell the story about like American popular music because of Kurt Cobain and his friggin' interest in all that stuff. Um, mm. So really, it's like friggin' the quintessential American story with that guy, really. Exactly, and he was a huge part of the sound of all of these like just fundamental albums. You know, Absolutely. like he even recorded fucking Misfits of Earth AD. Like, you know, on top of all that SST stuff and like St. Vitus and Husker yeah. Du. Husker Du. Oh, yeah. On top of like all of like Husker Du, Black Flag, you know, some of the Minutemen stuff, some of the Descendant stuff. Like he had to handle a lot of things. And, all kinds uh, of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And one thing that I, I thought was cool was uh, later on, sort of around the late 90s, uh, after he had moved away from California and sort of moved away from that whole SST scene. He kind of had a small hand in the beginnings of the folk punk scene. Was uh, not aware of that. Because there was a band called This Bike is a Pipe Bomb uh, from Pensacola, Florida, who met him at a show early on. And they were just like, he had been teaching himself how to play the violin. and Or the fidola, as he's credited as playing on like the one or two records of theirs that he was on. And, but yeah, he'd been teaching himself this new instrument and met these like young punk rock kids who were playing this kind of weird, like kind of hillbilly country folk punk sound. Um, you know, a lot of like, doom, doom, I don't know. They're, 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 they're a pretty fun little band to check out. If you ever get a chance, um, uh, their, awesome. uh, front, their front seat solidarity record is a really good one, but he played on, uh, uh, I can't remember, but he played on like, one of their record, one of their first records in the early nineties and just kind of like very rudimentary, like, you know, fiddle sounds in the background of this, like kind of down home rootsy folk punk record. And it's really cool. And it was just so, like, they'd happen to meet at a show and like, Hey, do you want to play on a record? And it was, yeah, sure. Um, and that was just sort of his brief little dally. And they were, they're one of the early bands on uh, planet X records, which was kind of, oh. Yeah, that was kind of one of the big labels of that whole folk punk scene. Like they were kind of one of the they were one of the initial Planet X bands, and he was part of the early run of that particular band. <laughs> also, on top of all of the stuff that he did with SST, just as like a little you know, just a nice little kind of denouement there. <laughs> you know, a decade or so after his uh, initial like real heavy impact on the scene. But yeah, he was somebody. That yeah, it could not couldn't not mention. It's funny. There's a couple when I was thinking of people at past this year. There was actually a couple of producers that uh, I had put on my list, and he was one of them. Um, but yeah, so Spot was somebody that I definitely had to include as the first on my list of like notable passings for the year. You know, so rest in well, peace for sure. Man. 
No, man, and I'm glad, uh, you know, we sort of I, – I, I predict that's not the – you know, I predict that's the first but not the last kind of yeah. area of significant overlap, where, which we'll get into, and I didn't mean to uh, barge in on your thing. That, no, that's uh, totally fine. I, I just – like, those ruling books, um, I, I – you know, it's – it's one of these things. It's like I, I accumulated records, which mm-hmm. I was transferring over to BC when I moved here. But then also, you know, I had about probably close to a hundred books that I like went to some effort to get. And yeah. I just like, well, I don't, I, I really, I don't want to freaking throw them on freaking Facebook or Kijiji. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to throw them up the street to where my, uh, you know, ex-wife and my kids are. So the freaking Circle Jerks autobiography is just sitting there unread, (laughs) and it's like I'm not. It's like nobody in that friggin' house or who passes through there is gonna touch it. So, like in ten years, when my kids aren't living there anymore, I'll be like, okay, can I have that? uh, You know, book back. You know, it's so. Anyway, um, nothing to say about drastic changes in a single year, um, but I will say. At about this time last year is when I first started reading. That's when I kind of read uh, the Jim Ruland uh, friggin' uh, Bad Religion book, okay. and then also the SST book on uh, the Kindle for about yeah. right around the same time, about a year ago. So, mm-hmm. anywho, um, I think uh, for my first one, I, I you know the first one I thought of, which I mean I don't know, it's not somebody who's like stood out for me as a huge presence over the years. But for whatever reason, the first name that I thought of for this uh, was Van Connor. Um, oh, bass, yeah, yeah. Bass player for the Screaming Trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I don't even like have like a huge, deep affinity for the Screaming Trees catalog as a whole, simply because um, it's kind of like more on the psychedelic side of punk mm-hmm. and alternative music. Yeah. But they've got two friggin' perfect albums with Sweet Oblivion uh, and Dust, the follow-up to that. And I think probably Uncle Anastasia, the record before that. um, And actually, they uh, were one of the – they're talking about SST records. Um, They put out three or four records. You know, they they sort of recorded their first two albums just locally Mm. with, like, this guy in Ellisburg, Washington at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, And then, uh, much to their surprise – uh, in like 1983. So they're like sort of a second wave SSD band, mm-hmm. like not with the Descendants and Minutemen and Black yeah. Flag, but when they started sort of reaching out around elsewhere in the Americas, notably mm-hmm. the West, uh, you know, that's where they sort of, you know, caught wind uh, or the, the Pacific as well as the Northwest. Because SST also put out like the first Soundgarden LP. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, anything to do with grunge, really, you know, mm-hmm. ultimately, like, without SST, grunge wouldn't have existed in any way mm-hmm. that people recognize now, um, which this is not new information. But SS, yeah. but, so, but to the extent that, you know, like, for a band just starting out of the gate, you know, 2019, 20, just right out of high school, within three mm-hmm. years of being out of high school, to be on an SSD records. Mm-hmm. And on a trajectory where they ended up on a major label um, with, um, you know, it's just, uh, and then significantly Mark Lanigan had a huge career, which I'm still discovering his records. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like, uh, you know, it's like, well, why the bass player? It's just like, well, it just, 
the dude was part of a moment. He sort of started out as just this kind of, you know, miscreant with his brother in the in, the, in his the, their family rec room, and mm-hmm. they taught themselves their instruments just listening to you know records, you know, like Frampton and Hendrix and Black Sabbath and whatever. Um, and then you know, just they they uh, associated with the other friggin' oddball friggin' miscreants in their era, in their mm-hmm. area, and they just kind of you know went forward with within the you know to the it it really just putting in huge amounts of hard work, and uh, like I said, uh, Sweet Oblivion and Dust all hold up against anything in the '90s. Uh, those are both just amazingly you know solid records in every kind of sense. So, um, yeah, uh, that was the first, uh, Van Connor from Screaming Trees ah. is the first person I thought of, the first person I thought of on, on this list. So, nice. yeah. So who's your number two, man? My number two is, uh, it's, uh, Rick Froberg from, uh, who I guess is most, probably most well-known for the band, uh, Drive Like Jehu. Uh, he also played in, uh, Hot Snakes. And uh, Pitchfork, he's played in a few other bands in the San Diego area, but Drive Like Jehu are probably the biggest one. Are you still there, Matt? I think I lost Matt. Um, Matt's back. Please continue, dude. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. So Rick Froberg is, uh, yeah, he's a uh, musician and visual artist from San Diego, California. Like I said, he's most known for uh, playing in the band Drive Like Jehu, who were, uh, yeah, a big band in San Diego. In the early... If exactly. y'all children Usually like the emo music, you're going to like this, right? And That's... one of the cool things about that, they really kind of, they, 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 they had a real fortuitous circumstance, I guess you could say, where uh, oh. their other guitarist, John Reese, uh, played in a band, like around the same time, like concurrent to being in Drive Like Jehu, Started a sort of tongue-in-cheek rock and roll band called uh, Rocket from the Crypt. Um, they, that... They're awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rocket exactly. From the Crypt yeah. Rule. And uh, okay. and uh, actually, Rick Froberg did a lot of like a lot of like the album artwork for Rocket from the Crypt as well while they I were around. Like it was that. just kind of like even though he wasn't, okay. you know, he didn't play in the he wasn't a musician in the band. He still had a lot of a big part of their visual presentation for like a you know a good run of their albums and. Uh, you know, it was just part of that whole little, like, you know, San Diego didn't have a huge scene at that time, but, you know, he was, like, uh, at the center of what was there. And, uh, yeah, we're Heroin from the was crib. from San Diego, I think. Exactly. And uh, Heroin was from there. Uh, Unbroken, who were, like, a very popular straight-edge band, they were from there. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Anti- the Locust, yeah. like a few other bands, like San Diego. The Locust. It's, it's oh, not, my Christ. I yeah, can't believe like, this is the first time we're mentioning the Locust on this show. And I actually, I guess, the one of the guys from the Locust's dad's band, who I quite enjoy, uh, Battalion of Saints, who are like sort of more like from the 80s in uh, San Diego. But uh, anyways, okay. yeah. I'm, I'm new information, folks. New information. So anyways, when uh, the major labels came sniffing around Rocker from the Crypt, uh, I believe the the apocryphal story was that John Reese said, "Like, look, if you want to put out this band, you got to put out my other band, Drive Like Jehu, as well." Okay. Who had already put out one really great self titled album on Headhunter Records at that point. Um, so yeah, then their uh, 
yeah, they ended up putting out their their album, their second album, Yank Crime, on a major label because of sort of getting the boost from Rocket from the Crypt, and awesome it became exactly yeah, and it's a fucking great album, and it was just a very accessible kind of like heavy post hardcore album at a time when there weren't a ton of those getting a lot of you know getting released on a major label. Like the closest you were gonna get was like a Helmet. Or something like that, you know, as far as that kind of really kind of just. I discovered Helmet or, again recently. I've, and I've, I've thrown them on a couple times here and there. Cool, man. Yeah. I think, well, they, they, I get, well, they, I remember their guitarist had a whole, there was a whole, like, his whole thing was like he was a jazz guitarist who chose to play like Helmet. Yes. Tyrus. Yes. But, that's uh, right. Anyway, that's right. And yeah, yeah, like, I've been getting into, I've been revisiting Quicksand a lot lately now since they're kind of a yes. thing again from Holy that, crap. just of that kind of sound. But like, you know, like Drive Like Jehu were kind of one of the really early, like earlier kind of bigger bands like to play that, that kind sound? of sound on yeah. a, you know, okay. on that kind of stage. And, you know, Rick Froberg was a huge part of that. And then he also played guitar in there in uh, hot snakes, which was the band that most of those dudes had afterwards. Okay. Um, who <laughs> I found out, I, I found about the existence. I found out about the existence of by way of abandoned Newfoundland covering them. Um, Cause I just, you know, in that, in that pre-internet era, I just didn't know that the Jehu guys had a new band. And then, you know, there was when I lived in St. John's, there was this one band that I'd see all the time who, would always play had this one song that i quite enjoyed so i was told like yeah man that song automatic midnight that's a really great song you guys have I'm like yeah you know too bad we didn't write it you know haven't heard hot snakes and like no i haven't and i'm like oh i should hear hot snakes um and also i i really re- regret not seeing his uh rick froberg's last kind of big band uh obits when they played the halifax pop explosion back in the 2010s um but uh, yeah, like I said, he was a huge part of that San Diego sound. Um, he was even an early member. Of, uh, like I said, he was even even an early member of the band Crash Worship, who okay. were like, they were kind of like, they were really influential on a lot of like the heavy kind of like post metal, I guess you could say, like Neurosis and that kind of stuff, which eventually influenced like Godspeed You Black Emperor. But like Crash Worship was just like a lot of people banging on drums and setting things on fire. Um, in like art spaces in San Diego, <laughs> um, and Rick Froberg was one of those early people banging on drums while people were setting things on fire at crash worship shows. Um, <coughs> but yeah, he passed away at the end of June uh, at the age of fifty-five from like an undiagnosed heart condition. So it was just one of those things. Um, and yeah, like he had still, you know, was still fairly active in making music. Like, you know, like everybody still fucking loves driving like <laughs> I think those fans you know like yeah and it he was somebody that I definitely had to like include on my list you know because like I said especially for those Jehu albums alone like those were huge records like and yeah so rest in peace Rick Froberg uh, that's my number two rest in power rest in power yeah yeah okay um well um that was uh sick and um i'm just going to go to the next one um is kind of uh i guess i was surprised to learn about it you know only to the extent of like why didn't this pierce my social media bubble you know before now um i didn't discover this until about six months after Mm -hmm. um you know it actually uh, occurred uh but uh 
Yeah, Andrew Lang, uh, the original drummer for Leatherface, and also he oh, yeah. the coffee, he caught he drummed for the Coffee Rejects. Um, okay. So I haven't heard. And I think he may have been part of the snuff sort of uh, scene. Oh yeah, snuff. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, that band. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they kind of all kind of kind of go together um, yeah. in terms of like leather. The Leatherface family tree is kind of exactly. How I yeah, it. it's not like this guy's like this, you know, super consummate or super accomplished musician. Mm. Um, but I would just say that only to the in like I couldn't. You know, it's like, do I know fucking what his hobbies are? Do I know, mm -hmm. you know, like, like the complete opposite of a famous person, you know, really. But I have to like say, well, it's like this guy, you know, he's on all the Leatherface records up until the last two or three. Um, and he like pursued a career basically as a as a cook, from what mm -hmm. I can tell, you know, working kitchens and whatnot. Uh, and then, you know, just did tours and recording with Leatherface uh, when he, you know, was was able to. So that's literally the extent of it. I can't say like, oh, you know, the culture or, oh, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just sort of I think his story is, is like, first of all, I mean, the dude was a fucking powerful drummer. Yeah. And he was just on like, I mean, you just you can't imagine mush. Uh, without just the, boop, 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 you know, the super, mm -hmm. like, all the oh, yeah. pills and just, yep. you know, hitting it. You know, he had, like, a double kick drum, you know, one of the earlier, you know, proponents of that on the post-hardcore scene in England, mm -hmm. as I've come to understand. Um, and, uh, you know, but it's just, again, it's just sort of like, you know, the working, you know, person who aspires to do cool music wherever they are is always fighting an uphill battle and you can either be really astute and really lucky and sort of, you know, cobble together kind of a living at it or the most, for the, for the most part, it's like you're playing in a freaking weekend man. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, that weekend man may prove legendary, but I'm telling you like quicksand coming back out now. And you know, all these bands like who were, you didn't hear records from for quite a while. Oh, I'm telling you, they were fucking working jobs. Oh, for uh, sure. Now, they're just, they're coming now to the end where they got some leverage. Their freaking kids have kind of, you know, become mm -hmm. self-sustaining or whatever. And they're like, yeah, let's friggin', you know, so whatever. You're friggin' like, the, you know, some band from friggin' like North Carolina that only put out an album and a half, you know, mm -hmm. or, or something. But they were all great. And now they're still kind of working and living in the area. And they're like, yep. yeah, let's just fuck it. Let's just, you know, put out an, a 12 inch or something, you know, or whatever. So uh, really, that's a huge digression. Um, but again, just uh, much respect to the passing um, of a very key friggin' component of some of my favorite music ever. So there we go. Uh, Andrew Lang, rest in power. That was my number two. Uh, Who's your number three, right. man? My number three is a local one, actually. Um, it was one that actually hit kind of hard because it was it was a surprise. Um, it was Halifax musician Ben Brennan, um, who Ooh. passed away uh, back in I think it was April of this year. Um, yeah, um, yeah. The exclaim article I found passed. Yeah, I think it was like yeah, dated in April. But yeah, he was somebody that like. He played in a ton of bands locally for probably the past like 
uh, decade, decade and a half or so. Like I seem to remember, like I think Castle Wolfenstein were the, was the band that he played guitar in that I first remember seeing around, like say, like around like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. And I love one of that those... name for a band. Yeah. I'm just saying, I, 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 you know, as as somebody who discovered Doom on fucking PC <laughs> computer when it first came out, and my friend who like could afford a much better computer than me. Yeah. Like, uh, I appreciate that. But yeah. Yeah. That was his. That was actually that was a band he was in with, uh, uh, with uh, Cody Gugu, who had mentioned as like like the local musician who had followed across many projects, and it was kind of like they were like the band that, you know, the folks that were going to have a big influence on the more interesting side of heavy music in Halifax for like most of that next decade, all kind of started out in, um, and from there, uh, I guess the next big band that he was in was called Word on the Street. Um, who were kind of more like a straight ahead, like, you know, fast hardcore band. He also played in a band called uh, A Sight for Sown Eyes, who were pretty, like, they were on this, they were label mates with Alexis on Fire and had like a couple albums out in like the 2000 teens. But while playing in like this kind of, and they were like kind of more like, you know, like a techie metalcore kind of band, then that was almost like his day job. You know, as far as like a local musician can have a band that's a day job, like, um and then but he was always playing in all these other weird little projects like he had a band called weed thief uh that were just like a bass drums and vocals like noise rock band that uh when i was doing a lot of stand-up and like doing stand-up at like diy punk rock shows like they were a band that i did a lot of shows with like in like sort of the early part of the previous decade i guess you could say and you know ben just played in a lot of different bands like that uh he was also in a band called surveillance who were like kind of more like a melodic indie pop almost like eric's trippish type thing who were like pretty popular around this way and yeah um yeah had his hands just like in a bunch of different musical projects over like 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 i said over the past like decade decade and a half or so and it was pretty yeah Kind of surprised everybody when he passed away in April. Like he was only 29 years old, yeah, and you know well, had done like yeah, even at that sure. age had still like the guy's got a pretty you know significant solid resume, pretty yeah. pretty solid resume of releases even at that age. And even like uh, local band Botfly, who were like kind of like the biggest thing to come out of here recently. Like their album cover is just like an arty black and white photo of Ben smoking a cigarette outside one of their shows. Like, you know, and he was like really close with all those kind of guys as well. And it was just like, it was one of those things that it hit the Halifax scene really hard when he passed away. So like, yeah, so definitely I mean, was had it to, tragic circumstances or what? I mean, it's sad. It's when just, it's, it's one of those, like, there weren't a whole lot of details we weren't going to ask. I figure it's probably just one of those. Yeah. Yeah. You know, things that, things that happen in a when, life. Yeah. In a life, yeah, exactly, and okay, like I said, enough. that's what made it more of a shock. Right, but you know, he's somebody. Right. It's a, especially even like my own last sort of stint as a performer in the scene locally, like playing, like either like doing stand up or like with my last band that I was in for long. Like most of our shows were with like one of Ben's bands, okay. <laughs> like at some point or other, you know, like yeah, and, and if not, he was like hanging out. So 29 is, is fucking young. I'm sorry. It is. It's it so freaking young. It like, is, like I said, like shockingly young. Yeah. Like, and especially since it was one of those things, like, since I realized, like, fuck, like, I've been, like, I was playing shows with that guy a decade ago. 
and like you know when he was a few bands into his you know into his resume and also playing in this project that was on like you know a fairly big whatever kind of label like for that you know sort of like tech metally scene and sure. like yeah you know it was just like yeah so it was it was pretty surprising but like i said he was a big part of like the 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 heavier music scene locally for like quite a while here you know a good part of the last little while and uh i just checked and you can still get word on the street seven inch uh, street spirit from uh uh suicide records uh here in halifax or out of here out of here in halifax if you ever want to go Did you check them on up there suicide yes Okay, okay, just yeah, yeah, I realize that. I realize, yeah, 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 sewer side, sewer side, S E W E R C I D E, teenage sewer side, don't shaggy dog. You probably get it through shaggy dog discs, we'll put it that way, which is the the like kind of more like used record distro that the same person runs. Um, that if you're ever looking for interesting, you know, it's worth checking out on Instagram if you ever feel like spending money on records, um, which is, you know, an easy hole to fall into. Uh, Completely so. Yeah. Anyways, uh, sorry to get distracted there, but yeah, for sure. Rest in power, Ben Brennan, for sure. Had to mention him as part of my list on the show as well. And, you know, on the local level, especially since, you know, I try to factor in something local when I can. I'm glad to, you know, uh, speak to, um, you know, that that local perspective because I don't really have, uh, you know, that much just because, you know, in terms of that, because I've just been kind of moving around. It's like I did a uh, security check uh, for my job really mm-hmm. not that long ago like because they, oh the address list well oh. oh my god they want you to go back 10 years man oh yeah for, no for, even for, for I, like a level two clearance yeah. like enhanced reliability or whatever and yeah. it's like so i basically nine addresses and nine jobs mm-hmm. and i had to like so who was my freaking supervisor at the time and what's their phone number and just like, glad I got it through, but still, man. So, you know, I'm just, it's, it's like, I, I was, I was sort of mentioning to, um, you know, my girlfriend uh, over the weekend, who's like, just lived in St. John mm-hmm. and mostly the same job for the past however long. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, that just must be so um, unique and uh, enjoyable. Mm. <laughs> Um, so glad to have some local representation. Um, yeah. And I guess uh, now maybe I'll just, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're about middle of the show-ish. Um, so I think probably we can sort of props do sort of a combined thing here because I think yeah. this will be something for both of us. I'm going to say um, you, you already uh, referred to earlier. Uh, we had the passing of... Sinead O'Connor, but then yeah. also Shane McGowan, right? Yes, 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 so yes, yes, exactly. Two Irish friggin' superstars yeah. gone within months mm. of each other. I mean, yeah. where's the friggin' where where in the universe, you know, is, is that permitted to happen? I, I, I have to ask. So, I mean, not, rather than even just sort of going on like, well, here's my thoughts on this. I mean, I'll just yeah. ask you for instance, I'm sure you were going to speak to this anyway. Um, I mean, what are your what were your impressions about either or both of these major artists who lost? 
Well, I mean, I, I talked about Sinead O'Connor on our, like, Anything But Punk episode. But again, yeah. like, these are both, like, two huge, they're both, you know, two huge, just massive Larger forces. Than yeah. Larger than life. Like, it's, you know, when I think about it, like, the Pogues are one of the first, like, when I think of, like, the idea of, like, something alternative. Yes. I think of, fucking, think of, like, Spike from Degrassi wearing a Pogue shirt. Ah! Or something like that, you know, like that's one of like, you nice. know, that's like, nice. uh, you know, that's that's like a formative memory somewhere in the back of, you know, young me's No, head. that's, uh, that's legit, like, man. That's highly legit. Even like going to the UK when I was like, you know, in my very early teens with family, like picking up music magazines and seeing articles like they were, you know, one of the hottest things. And like, they're just... Uh, one of those bands was just ubiquitous for so long. I realized the only I hadn't listened to them for a while, and it, I realized it was a totally conscious decision because my last sort of stint in the hospitality industry was working as a bouncer as well as a cook at an Irish pub oh that my had a God. lot of live live entertainment, and it was owned by like actual f- musicians from the Irish folk scene who like moved here to open a bar. And wow. like to the point where like they basically would curate what the entertainment was allowed to play, wow. um, and a lot of that, a lot of those songs overlap with the Pogues catalog, catalog to the point where I kind of just I burned out on the Irish folk for a while there. I have to admit, um, but at the same time, like as soon as I heard that it was passing, I put on uh, I ended up putting on uh, Rum Sodomy and the Lash because I mean that's kind of like oh, I feel like that's the such album. a good record, such a good such, record, and oh, it's just man. like you know it's like I hear ten seconds of a pair of brown eyes and I'm already just like, <gasps> and yeah, I always thought it was amazing that like you know. I for you know you first hear them and then you realize you sort of you look into how many of their songs are originals versus how many are like traditional or like by kind of like you know more well-known Irish roots artists yeah and just like their reinterpretations but the fact that like shit the original songs like could stand toe to toe with all that stuff and it's just like these fucking sad dark you know just heartbreaking like short stories of like urban life in ireland and london and everywhere you know like the guy lived a hell of a life and you know i i guess uh i remember there was a meme going around that he died at age 65 or 112 in irish poet years yes that's right. <laughs> yeah that was on the hard times yeah that's yeah. right and yeah like it's just like of course like yeah the guy you know he was just there's a, there's a, he was there's a, there's just a picture a of him like there's a, he there's was like a literary a force, not he just a musician. In his own yeah. right. And there's, a, there's exactly. a speaking of just speaking of things that, like to do with him on the internet. I mean, you must have seen this. There's like the picture from like a like Bruce Springsteen, who's like the same age. Uh, yeah. You know, and he's like touring Ireland. He's like visiting him, uh, visiting mm-hmm. Shane. You know, earlier this year, and he's like kind of towering over him, and like just come here, you and. Shane's sitting there just like, you know, clearly, you know, incapacitated and he's just looking up at him and mm-hmm. his eyes are just like, is he friggin' terrified or is that what love looks like between two legends or what? Um, but uh, it was a hell of a thing. My favorite by them, um, by the Pogues, that is, um, Hell's Ditch, Brother Rabbit. Oh, yeah. I'm That's a good like, one, too. Oh, my God. For me, that was like the record. I came back from Korea 
uh, after a stint, and I was in the B.Ed. program at St. Thomas mm-hmm. University, and I was about to go on a uh, career as an educator, you know, including a stint in Qatar that I was about seven or eight months away from that I didn't know about, and uh, feeling really just like, wonder what's going on with my life, you know, at this point, but feeling, you know, and uh, Munye, my, my kid's mom, she remained in Korea for a period, so I was by myself. I was living in this friggin' generic apartment block uh, place on Regent Street with my dad, who just like, well, I'll save some money and live with my, you know, adult, large adult son. And I'm uh, listening to it on this friggin' small, friggin' shitty boombox in my room on CD. And I'm just like, this fucking speaks to me now. Um, and I think everybody kind of has their own origin story in terms of how they encountered the Pogues and, you know, what the lighting was like in the room and everything else. You could almost go that far with it. So, I mean, it's just, you can't, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, who's the, who's the most expected person to die? Shane McGowan. Mm. But nevertheless, it hurts. So. Exactly. Well, I mean. Um, and then, and then, and then uh, we have, uh, friggin' Sinead, who we've yeah. we both spoken to a lot already, but it's just like, whew, one light gone and then another, you know? Exactly. So, I mean, what else have we got, man? What else, Have you got any more personal recollections about this? I mean, this is a pretty hard one to deal with, in my opinion. I was going to say, did you see the video? I, one thing that really, I mean, it's it's the holiday season. So, of course, this is the one time you had oh, like, a lot of people in it. And there was, oh, my God, it ripped. I got to say, it ripped my Thanks heart Thanks for out. mentioning this, by the did way. You see the, uh, did you see the, vi- there was a video from Shane McGowan's memorial service of, uh, what's it, Glenn Hansard? Uh, the guy from, uh What's um the guy who's in the movie once? Like who oh wrote, shit, that okay. whole, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. that whole guy, that guy, yeah, the once guy, and I'm just he 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 has he's actually in like he he was in like a band in Ireland for a long time. Besides this whole music thing, and I can't remember the name for the life of me. But anyways, there's the video what? of him and the bassist from the Pogues uh doing fairy tale of new york together from shane mcgowan's memorial service like in the church and it was just like oh, wow. if you just want to have your heart ripped out like but in the most beautiful way possible like you can throw you know find that on the internet and throw it on that is just like yeah it's just such a great rendition of it too um but yeah it's like it's it's the guy wrote like like i said you know he was like yeah like he he like he you know he wrote like these great like short stories of of songs on top of like you know this reinterpretations of like classic irish folk music and then also wrote like you know contributed to the holiday canon even you know like even the, even though i do know people um i believe it's someone we both know uh who at one point would joke that they had like a personal challenge uh, every year to see how long they could go without hearing Fairy Tale of New York every yes. holiday season, just because it was such a thing. Um, yes. But still, it's, you know, it's like I said, it's a great song, one of many great songs uh, well, by I mean, a great if you, artist. If, and if, like, if you, if you can contribute something to that that is going to sort of 
outlive you and take on his complete own thing for generations of other people that you mm -hmm. have no idea about and who really are never going to know anything about you personally. I mean, I think that's about, you know, as, as, as deep an aspiration as any artist can hope for really. Oh, for so, sure. So man, um, I'm just going to ask then since we kind of, and again, just really Sinead, yeah, um, Sinead. you know, just, I can't even sort of speak yeah, of it without getting she's... a little bit misty eyed, you know, oh, like sure. a ducks here to think of it. Um, just such what a powerful, you know, singer, what a powerful presence mm. standing up to fucking so many people at every stand yeah. in her career, no matter how much like, she got shat on and fucking demonized by the misogynist fucking, you know, patriarchy, you know, press and everything else. Like, fuck, just she stood up to so many for, oh, so, yeah. for, for, for so much and just for no fucking benefit really other mm. than wrecking her own career but also mm. being able to look at herself you know in the in the, in the, in the mirror every morning so yeah like that's, there's that's just fucking amazing right that's yeah like there's i don't know if there's ever been another artist like her like she's i believe i said this this is the kind of thing that like i i don't know i think i said this when we talked about it before but in my mind she's like you know when you think of that canon like your dylan's and your Bob Marley's and totally, your whatnots. Totally. Like, she is fucking sure. standing right at that level to me. Shoulder like, to she's shoulder. an artist that is shoulder to shoulder with all of them. Like absolutely you know, so. just on her first three albums alone, even. And it's like she's the kind of like, you know, I watched that uh I watched that uh I think it was Showtime was the network that did the documentary about her a couple of years ago. I think within fairly recently. They did it. Okay. It was like a feature-length documentary, TV docu documentary, been on like one of these cable networks fairly recently. That you can find on Crave TV if you have access to that streaming service. Okay. Um, but like watching that, like I couldn't believe, like I was, I didn't know just how much she persevered through to get to the point of even putting out her first album. You know, like, or to even get to the point of being a recording artist, like the things she lived through to that point would be trauma, like, a lot like, of trauma. It's, it's yeah. the kind of the, yeah, it's the kind of thing that, like, if you were, if they were to make like a biopic about it, like, yes. you could just do that section, and it would just be, you know, like, she it, survived. It, she survived uh, with so a lot much and would wreck other people, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and my dog just decided to push the door open to come in to say hi, I guess, and now right away again but anyways uh yeah so sorry i got distracted there but yeah she survived so much just to get yeah get to the like just constantly like she was just she, it was it seemed like her life was just like a series of battles against some of like just the biggest things you could take on you know right. like like the pope <laughs> you know like just so much yeah, it just well, and even just like converting to Islam later in her life, exactly. Uh, and like, she lost a son to suicide. Yeah, I mean, Christ. Um, so yeah, rest in power, Sinead, forever. Yeah, my goodness. One uh, thing I last, oh, please do. I was gonna say one more thing. I read, uh, right around the time she passed, I, I read that apparently she did a lot of donating to like sort of like LGBTQIA charities, especially to like homeless, like 
transgender folks and that oh. kind of like, like letter charities to like help support people trying to get back on you know so like transgender people who are trying to get back on their feet after experiencing like unhousedness and that kind of thing like and would just like donate like, tons of, among that just like yeah. donate like tons of clothes constantly to like shelters and that kind of thing like all the time like you know, just always like doing good on top of you know, like all of this amazing art that she made. Like walking, yeah, like, so, walking it like she talked it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I mean, I don't know, man. We got we're we're we're, we're like almost uh, basically at forty five minutes here. Yeah. Who else you got? Who else you got on your list that you haven't spoken to so far? I'll cram a couple of them here together. Uh, yeah. They're sure. both. They're just two kind of small ones that I was gonna. Uh, actually, the other producer uh, that I talked about, that I was going to mention, and as well, somebody that's more so known for other pursuits, but did dabble a bit in music that, you know, kind of helped provide the building blocks for something else later on. Uh, the first of which is DJ Mark the 45 King, uh, who passed away in October two of uh, this year, uh, October 2019, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, he was 62 years old. And he oh, was. I'm, I'm like so old now. I just oh, hear yeah. that and I'm like, that's goddamn young, man. Exactly. Like, what and, the fuck? 62? Nobody yeah. dies when they're 62. But yeah. And he was from the Bronx, but he had a big part in uh, sort of helping New Jersey hip hop get on the map because uh, he was a founding mem- member of a crew of a crew called the Flavor Unit, uh, who based out of New Jersey, uh, whose biggest member. Or I guess their most breakout member was uh, Queen Latifah, uh, you might recognize. Uh, and he was her he was her tour DJ early on, uh, but and uh, also produced some of the early other members of the Flavor Unit, like Show Rob G. Uh, I think he and uh, like Kim Shabazz. Uh, some of the later members of the of the group to sort of break out were uh, Naughty by Nature and Red Man, who are both pretty popular on their own, but like he wasn't really as involved at that point. Cause you know, a lot of people have demons once they get into the music industry, as they say. And, you know, uh, by the early night, like he had a big hand in producing Queen Latifah's first couple albums um, and was her tour DJ and stuff. Uh, he also was really involved with like, breakbeats and like putting out break compilations of breakbeats where it's just like here's this little segment of a song that a dj will then loop they'll get two copies of the compilation and they'll just use that to loop these two parts Ah, um and yeah he uh put out a series of those and uh he actually was behind a really popular break called the 900 number uh that ended up getting sampled by uh I'm sure you've ever, you've, if you ended up in a cheesy dance club at some point in the aughts, you might have heard a song called Let Me Clear My Throat. Uh, that has like this kind of like. Anyways, that horn part and some of the drums come from a break record called The 900 Number that uh, DJ Mark the 45 King put out. That was kind of like, that was like his first big solo breakout. And then he was part of the flavor unit with uh, Queen Latifah and other folks. Um, and yeah, like I said, he kind of, they all kind of distanced themselves from him. Like he ended up kind of flaming out as it were career wise in the early nineties. Um, and like losing, he was at the point where like he was getting offered to do re- remixes for like Madonna and stuff like that. And then just 
partying a little too much and just yeah had to take a break from music for a while right um but yeah like i said that uh that song let me clear my throat which i guess came out in like the late 90s but i remember hearing it a lot in like when i was working in crappy bars in newfoundland in the early aughts um it was the kind of song that would get played a lot there <clears throat> but they sampled this one uh record of his and the other person i want to mention was uh david mccallum okay who, who's that uh you might recognize more from uh he was on the man from uncle uh he was a scottish actor who yeah he was the russian guy on the man from uncle he was also a show <laughs> ncis this but, is not who i was expecting to be the next person folks the, the thing russian is guy from uncle okay from the man from uncle the thing is though in the 60s he decided to you know how sometimes like you'll get like every once in a while an actor will decide they want to put an album out to varying degrees you know you'll get your dog stars and your unless you're unless you're william shatner this is a very bad idea and you should never try it actors at the same well the thing is david mccallum had actually studied like he was trained like he'd studied music and like composition classical composition and that kind of thing so he put out this album called it was like music another it was music another side of me and uh yeah there were two instrumental albums is music part of me and music a bit more of me um but one of the songs on uh one of those albums uh the edge uh it, you might recognize as the main sample for the song uh, "The Next Episode" by Dr. Dre. Uh, the like the na 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 that guitar riff was sampled from one of. with your encyclopedic knowledge. The thing is, though, it's like very specific aspects of the culture, my friend. That particular, it's like. Uh, he worked with uh, David Axelrod, who was like a pretty well-known like producer at that time. Who had like done sure. like he's the guy that produced like the Electric Prunes and like a bunch of just like you know like rent like if it was like if they wanted to put out like if a student they wanted to put out like hey we want to put out this the get these studio musicians to put out like a plausible psychedelic rock record we'll get uh, David Axelrod to produce it and like he knew he worked with a lot of like pretty good like you know it's that really that classic like 60s instrument like the kind of thing you would hear in the background of saying like a show like the man from uncle or like you know like kind of like 60 that like 60s action soundtrack kind of music i guess is the best way i could describe it but uh that song the edge has ended up being sampled by a bunch of other hip-hop artists as well Okay. And it's a really good song to listen. It's it's just a re- pretty great song on its own. I'm putting it in, my, in the in the case notes or in the or in the uh, you know in the show notes. But it's uh, you know it's like those two. It's one of the. It's like it's almost on par with like the Shatner album and that kind of thing. But it's like <laughs> the guy, the Russian guy from the Man from Uncle, conducts <laughs> a bunch of like studio jazz musicians to put out a pretty decent instrumental album and like you know like it covers the you know it covers the batman theme on the second album and just like stuff like that but uh you know it's like just for the edge alone like it's he kind of got cool points in retrospect uh from that being you know uh 
a, a sample for a pretty iconic, uh, you know, hip hop track. So he was someone that I kind of want to throw on there as well. And just one last one that I'm not going to go into in depth, but Tina Turner, because I mean, Tina oh, fucking Turner. Shit. How can I have even not thought of her? That's brutal. I, That's yeah. Fun. Yeah. I had forgotten. I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad we're getting it in here, man. Good job. Yeah. Yeah, I just had to throw that on the end because, like I said, Tina fucking Turner. Um, so that's it for me. Yeah, no, um, I, I, I feel like um, there's just been such an onslaught throughout the year. Um, so, I mean, really, um, my thank you for that, uh, really, Matt. Um, and I guess my last ones here are kind of more perfunctory, but just to kind of uh, throw them in there. Um, so, I mean... We've already talked about uh, Spot, you know. Um, so mm -hmm. in terms of, like, I guess, iconic artists, I mean, Gordon, Light Gordon Lightfoot died this year, man. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, Jesus. So, I mean, that's kind of the last huge one, yeah. the last icon on my list. And I can't say, oh, well, it meant so much to me and everything else. But this is something where, you know, it's, it's so – ridiculous because like i'm canadian and i recognize it's like part of my friggin heritage because yeah. the guy is such a fucking renowned presence you almost take it for granted um but it wasn't actually until the replacements uh reconvened put out a record because uh their guitarist slim dunlap their second guitarist had a serious stroke hit his head falling down from the stroke and uh needed medical help basically so they reconvened prior to their uh, two, 2015 to 2018 you know tours um but what they they put out an album basically to support him called songs for slim okay so, so it was like paul westerberg tommy stinson uh and then basically two kind of local dudes playing the drums and guitars or the and uh, the second guitar uh mm -hmm. and uh yeah it was just uh so Within that project, that's how they, they, they played a cover. They played a cover of I'm Not Saying by uh, Gordon Lightfoot. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this friggin' rules. And then um, I heard the original, and I was like, this friggin' rules. And then I was at Barnacle Records, uh, downtown Kamloops, when I lived there. And I'm like, it's in the oldies section there's nine copies and they're four dollars each. I think I'm good. <laughs> of course, you know. So, yeah. but like you know, in the in the, the you know discount vinyl. But I'm like, mm -hmm. I, I threw it on and it's just like this is friggin' beautiful, amazing, powerfully written yeah. music. Um, but oh I yeah. Also, but it's just like you know, if it hadn't have been for a replacements recording, just kind of incidentally. A bunch of years back, I, I wouldn't have necessarily tuned into it on a personal level, I suppose. Mm. Uh, and then I'm like, yeah, so he's an icon. He's uh, to all the folks who have much more meaningful and substantive connections uh, to the music. I, I hope, uh, you know, it, it isn't too hard for you, basically. So mm -hmm. um, and and uh, did I have I don't know if I had any other person on my list. Oh yeah, six two Rodriguez. Oh yeah, I just you know for anybody who's watched the Binding Searching for Sugar Man documentary, which was fascinating about mm. how this uh, 
you know, guy from Detroit who basically records like one or two albums and has a completely undistinguished friggin' working class career. Like, like it's like, you know, it's like the guys from Death, you know. It's yeah. like they recorded like, you know, one of the most amazing friggin' albums. Nobody heard it. And they went on to like work just like the most mind numbing friggin' whatever jobs because that's mm-hmm. just what they had to do. Um, and then it turns out that, uh, you know, he was really popular in pre, you know, in right before, right as apartheid was about to come down in, uh, you know, South Africa. He got mm. really hugely popular, but because he signed for such horribly bad contractual terms with his recordings, he had no way of knowing it and he had no way of, you know, getting any money off it. Until mm-hmm. the online era happened, and people were able to actually track him down, and he was able to sort of, after like a twenty-year gap, resume a career as a recording and touring artist. So, again, I just like don't have any deep uh, personal connection to the music whatsoever, but it seemed like a, a notable narrative, uh, mm-hmm. if you will. Searching for Sugarman, it won some awards, you know, in terms of a higher profile music documentary that came out probably seven or eight years ago. I want to say yeah. maybe at this point. And something like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it just, uh, if you're looking for something to kill some time on your evening, uh, off during the holidays, you can do a lot worse basically. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's pretty much all I got, man. All right. Um, can I ask you one sort of final random question before we go out? Yeah, here? sure. How are you freaking enjoying the shot maker with box set, dude? Oh, it's are so you listening good. to it? Have you listened to it a bunch or not yet? I have listened to it a bit. It is quite good. It is quite good. I'm and it's yeah. oh, it's such a nice it's package. So nice, too. so vinyl-y, and yeah. you just you put it on and they freaking remastered it, which it was like Basically, you know, you you were listening to the same podcast episode that I did. Like Nick Pyle, he's like, yeah. yeah, we were completely poor. We had to record a night on the worst equipment, and it was like middle of the night, one album, two days, um, and we wish we could have done more, but we were so goddamn poor. Um, yeah, but still, but still, I mean, to me, I'm just like, dude, you're telling me what adds to it for mm-hmm. me, right? They kind of come for sure. So, um. If you're looking for the, you know, uh, Southern Ontario mid '90s emo, which is all the rage now, in the in the in the, you know, that's the Alexis on fire as some fucking ridiculous box set that's coming out. I mean, oh wow, know, yeah, yeah, with a uh, on on friggin' BrooklynVegan.com. No, okay, so, like, you're doing a curated, you know, box set with them. So it's like you're talking. Now it's just like, yeah, that's I saw it on like a thing. It's like, yeah, it's got that Southern Ontario mid '90s emo sound, and I'm like, are you fucking on? Drugs? Yeah. But then on the other hand, like, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. It's yes, I can identify. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's like, I, I relate you hate to that it, exists, and I you know am that demographic. Yeah. Thank you. Like, yeah. So. Okay, well, just right. thought I'd ask. I noticed it on your social thing. You posted yes, a, yes. a picture of it. So, um, yeah, it was kind of an impulse purchase, but uh, I was pretty excited to, to, well find, done, to get man. a copy. Totally. And I guess they were, I think the original run is sold out now. So, 
Well, that uh, or that was that's I may I... be putting it up on eBay because you know, <laughs> um, yeah, I realized it's the third time I've purchased some of that music. Like at least two of yeah. the three LPs and stuff that yeah I'd already owned like over the decades. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, I owned yeah. the original records, and then I ended up buying like because it was the double CD discography that came out in the aughts, like, which I, sounded yeah. like shit and wasn't really yeah, yeah. creative at all. But it was like exactly oh, wow, it was better than nothing. So. It was something. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. I, well, I think my dog is bugging me to go outside right now. So, well, uh, I think you should totally follow. Yeah, that. I think um, I better let him out. Time, so. everybody, take right. care, and uh, we'll be back hopefully once more before the new year. But yeah, uh, yeah. in any case, uh, have a great night. Take care, and bye for now. All right, bye for now. Bye for now.